Hey everybody, this is Robbie, and welcome to a special podcast part of this insight. And I'm lucky today, as always, to have Brom from Flanders Scientific. Brom, how's it going, man? Doing great. Thanks, Robbie. And, you know, the reason I want to have Brom on is because actually over the past month or two, Brom and I have been traveling to various trade shows literally around the world, Japan and New York and D.C. and all sorts of places. And as we've seen each other at conferences and trade shows, we've been talking a little bit about HDR. And as you guys know, I'm just starting my exploration on HDR, actually starting my very first project. So it's all kind of new to me. Um, but I wanted to, in this insight, kind of lay the groundwork for the fundamentals of what HDR is uh, and kind of what I see it, where I see it going. But more importantly, I wanted to get some outside perspectives. And I want to talk to Brom today about kind of the essentials of what HDR is, as well as get his perspective as the head of a display manufacturer about kind of the current state of HDR and where he sees it going. Later in this insight, we'll get a colorist perspective. So Brom, let's start out with kind of the most obvious question. Um, in your mind, how would you or how would you go about describing what HDR is to somebody who doesn't really know or is not familiar with what HDR uh, is all about? So HDR is literally just about giving us more dynamic range and ones is that we can sort of represent the real world a little bit better. Uh, whereas with older um, kind of video uh, standards and pipelines, we were limited to maybe six or seven stops or so. Now we can really show a uh, dynamic range that is uh, near to what the camera can actually, and we can we can show that on display. What that ultimately gives you is is much higher contrast image if you want to think about it that way. Uh, so you see a lot more detail, um, and um, it just it's it's a very um, it's one of those eye catching things when you see HD. HDR, HDR, because it really does look fundamentally yeah. different than standard dynamic range. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, just to be clear, you know, for our listeners out there, you know, this type of HDR is different than kind of photographic HDR, where you might bracket different exposures and kind of blend them together. Uh, this type of HDR is all about the true dynamic range in a single exposure. And I think you make a really interesting point. You mentioned the, the image sensors. Um, there's no such thing as an HDR camera, right? I mean, HDR cameras yeah. are, are already in existence. Um, the, the problem, as you point out, is that, you know, our cameras have been able to capture all this information for a long time. Uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 stops of information. That's only going to get better. But the display has kind of been the limiting factor in how we view that information, right? Absolutely. And so there were two limiting factors there. The the first being um, how, how bright we could get the display and Certainly, we can get displays a lot brighter than the current 100 nit or 29 foot Lambert standard, um, and then also black levels uh, and the advent of better LCDs and and better OLEDs uh, or OLEDs. Period. Um, you can get these exceptional black levels. So the dynamic range that the, the displays are capable of has increased a lot, and that allows us to, at least in theory, um, reflect what the camera is capturing and maybe reflect the real world a little bit more as it really is. Uh, um, the trouble now is that we need a, a standard to follow yeah. and a, a defined <laughs> yeah. pipeline. So yeah. uh, that that's really the the next challenge here. So let's let's start there. So you know, I, as I've started my exploration of HDR, I've done a lot of research. You know, I'm kind of a nerd like this. I'm staying up until you know two three a.m. reading white <laughs> papers, right? Um, and it seems like as you as you dive into researching HDR, and we've talked about this at trade shows, and when I've seen you, you know, it seems like there's a lot of kind of competing or at least proposed uh, methodology 
strategies for uh, for handling HDR workflows. You know, you have kind of what Simpty's doing, which is a little bit of a spinoff of some of the research that Dolby has done with Dolby Vision. Uh, and then you have other people like the BBC uh, and NHK proposing something called, what is it, H- HLG, right? Yes, hybrid, hybrid log, log gam. Yeah. yeah. And, and so and there's a couple other ones out there still. Um, so kind of lay the set the scene for us. What is kind of the current state of affairs with these standards and, you know, of the major ones that are being proposed like HLG and Dolby Vision, you know, uh, and the SMPTE kind of version of that, uh, what are kind of the, some of the high level main differences between, between these standards? And finally, do you ever see this getting worked out or are we going to always have these standards kind of competing against another for the next, you know, foreseeable future? Yeah. And that, that, that's an interesting question. And that, uh, I wish my Chris, crystal ball could tell me yeah. which of these is really going <laughs> to take off. But um, but certainly uh, we, we have a SEMPTI standard. We have SEMPTI 2084, which basically defines uh, the PQ, perceptual quantizer, uh, EOTF, which is you know sort of a replacement for gamma if you want to think of it that way. Uh, if I had to break down the main difference between SEMPTI 2084 and PQ uh, versus um, the HLG proposal, is that HLG basically doesn't require any metadata. Um, it uh, is essentially giving us a methodology that allows us to deliver a single stream of video uh, all the way to the end user um, that will then just be mapped to uh, anything from an SDR display to an HDR display in a way that is only uh, look appealing without, again, requiring any, any metadata. Um, whereas with the, the, the kind of 702084 approach, um, that ends up having to be tied into a lot of metadata where you do an HDR master and then you deliver something that is essentially going to be uh, is going to look good on SDR as well. Um, and then you have your metadata that is going to allow you to enhance that image uh, based on information on how it was mastered uh, to uh, you know uh, make it look as good as possible on any given TV at any given. Uh, luminance level. Uh, so if you have a TV that can do, you know, 4,000 nits, then you, you'll probably be able to do something close to how it was mastered, maybe on a 4,000 nit master monitor. Um, but if you have a 600 nit TV, of uh, something that will still look good, uh, but uh, it will look this, quite the same. And again, it's going to be very reliant on metadata, knowing um, how it was mapped and uh, what the current display is capable of. Now, it also seems to me, I mean, I mean, Dolby, I, they're not in the business to just better the world, right? They do their research for <laughs> license, licensing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. am, am I wrong in saying that uh, the Dolby Vision sort of SMPTE approach also relies heavily on, well, licensing, right? Dolby's going to license this technology to television manufacturers, display manufacturers, you know, you know, you know maybe you even or whoever, and yeah. that it requires kind of that, that Dolby, you know, sort of stamp of approval on the set. And there's even hardware that goes into this. Isn't there a sort of a Dolby uh, HDR chip in these displays? Is that how that works? So, so the, way that the, the way that this kind of fundamentally breaks down is, you know, on the face of it, it's something like ST2084 doesn't inherently requirementing. Uh, but in the real world implementation of these things, yes, it ends up being a licensing type system because in order to handle this metadata, both to create it and to decode it and to um, normal, you're going to be talking about 
some fairly customized pieces of hardware or, or uh, algorithms that allow you to do things like uh, push your content through a content mapping unit uh, and then also um, be able to uh, generate your enhancement layers and then be able to um, implement their display mapper technology which is going to allow you to, uh, to take that content that was mastered and make it look good on your TV on whatever uh, luminance range that it can handle. So it, it is a system that, um, you know, and that's one of the arguments you hear perhaps sometimes against it is that uh, here's another licensing system and uh, HLG is basically uh, a of that, uh, that, you know, there's, there's no licensing. It's, uh, it doesn't require that metadata. Again, um, it's really just about how you construct uh, um, uh, that signal. Um, so it's it, they're very interesting uh, proposals. Uh, there's there's pros and cons to both. Certainly, um, I, it, to me, as you know, a third party to this, uh, it seems to me that that Dolby definitely got a head start on this stuff. Um, then again, HLG um, kind of is intriguing because it works with so much of the existing infrastructure without requiring all this special hardware, without requiring any sort of licensing, um, and it's a Quick, implement, quick implementation, uh, but there's still kind of some unknowns there, and there's some things that need to be figured out how the real world uh, will be able to um, to apply what they're proposing. So, you know, one of the things besides these standards that kind of I think confuses a lot of people, sure, surely confused me, is kind of like you know what qualifies as HDR content or material, mm -hmm. right? You know, so you see yeah. that you see this expressed in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you kind of hinted at it earlier when we first started talking about you know, hey, right now, kind of a reference level display is putting it out about 29 foot Lambert, it's 100 nits, and that's kind of you know kind of the standard. But when I look at you know you know specs from from display manufacturers or projector manufacturers when they're talking about HDR, you know, it seems like we have, uh, you know, these, these, these brightness levels anywhere from, you know, three, four, 500 nits up to a thousand to 2000 to 3000. Yeah. So could you, could you, from your perspective as a display manufacturer, kind of tell us where you see that line, you know, is it, is it, is HDR simply the amount of light that this uh, display can put out? Does it have more to do with, you know, kind of, you know, is HDR, Okay, if something can do 15 stops, that's HDR. But if it does seven stops, it's not. It's not. It's certainly not just about how bright you can make the display. I mean, you can take uh, what is essentially an SDR television today, and you can uh, you can turn it up to 300 nit. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to do HDR on it because the level comes up with that. So your contrast ratio typically isn't really changing that much. And what we're really Really looking for is increasing that contrast ratio so that you can do not only the good highlights but you can maintain very good black levels. Right. Um, so there, there's a few different ways to achieve that. You know, um, on an OLED, the nice thing is that if you want to do black at full black at just no light output, you can do that. Um, the challenge with an OLED is making them uh, very bright. You know, uh, the the very brightest OLEDs out there at this point could probably hit about a thousand nit. Um, most of those that are actually on the market. Uh, we'll do maybe closer to 300 to uh, maybe 800 nit or so um, uh, peak luminance. Um, but with that combined with very good black levels gives you excellent contrast. And certainly I, I personally would think that that would qualify as HDR. Very good open question. It's like, well, what do we consider good enough for HDR? Um, and what are we going to call HDR? So uh, and I've got to say some of the kind of personal things that I've seen is that even a display running at 300 or 500 nits that is playing back HDR content um, still looks pretty darn impressive. Yeah, so you don't necessarily need to do 
4,000 or 5,000 nits. Uh, and realistically, because probably not going to get to that sort of light output level anytime soon. So Now, when, when we talk about this this sort of peak level, I, I want to be clear, this at least is my understanding about it, make sure you, you know more about this. We're not talking about the entire screen, right? We're usually talking about a percentage of the screen at any given time being able to handle that peak output. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah, and and that that's that's of course one of the big um, concerns here. You know, both from a from a um, comfort perspective in terms of viewing something, you don't want to see a full field of white all over your screen. At, you know, right, you don't want right. to watch an Apple commercial, for example, right. <laughs> oh, with uh, with your TV set to a thousand. Right. So this is really about specular highlights is the way that you typically hear it referred to. So it's the, you know, it's the little pieces of sunshine, you know, that are uh, reflecting off of a car or off of uh, raindrops or whatever. And um, so it, it has to be used kind of responsibly as well. Um, and you don't want to do it over the full screen. Even through the calibration process. Typically, what you're doing is you're measuring a very small patch in the center of the screen. Um, you're not measuring full fields of water. Light, uh, um, when you're doing these calibrations. So, um, yes, it is It is not overall luminance. You're really talking about, again, those kind of specular highlights. Got it. All right, so one last confusing thing, and then I want to ask you some display specifics, is um, when I look at these standards, I think the other thing that confuses, uh, I mean, everything confuses me, but I think confuses a lot of people, <laughs> um, is besides all this talk about, you know, uh, peak output and the nits and all that kind of stuff, um, we see a lot of discussion or kind of, uh, kind of, statements revolving around rec 2020 and mm -hmm. hdr as well and you know my understanding of rec 2020 is that this is kind of oh hey this is a great kind of theoretical thing but to date really very few displays can perform you know can show a good percentage of it uh yeah. laser, laser projectors i guess being the notable exception but they're kind of you know yeah. few and far between um, so when it comes to these HDR standards, are we looking at things in Rec 2020? Are we looking at them in Rec 709? Like, where is that kind of falling out in the mix as all these discussions are being had about HDR? Yeah, so um, on the face of it, there's nothing that 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 would prevent you from, um, from doing HDR uh, within a Rec 709 color gamut. Um, however, the real-world implementations of this and most of the, you know, demos you see of this when people are trying to showcase this um, are based on 20 math. Um, you know, the, uh, the HDR10 um, standard essentially that, that is being used for some of this early uh, um, or to the home material is basically using your 702084 uh, EOTF it's a uh, rec 2020 color gamut is what it's based on um, and then you have you know in that particular case you're looking at typically video streams at 420 as well so not necessarily what we're doing on the professional side but certainly when we're talking about how it's going to the home it is you know ostensibly it's based on rec 2020 um, so that that does become a challenge you know it's they're not they're not necessarily linked but typically about pushing the limits in one area, we're going to push the limits in another. So you do right, see, of see this kind of combined with this, you know, rec 2020 color gamut. But, but again, in theory, you could, you could use the same sort of math so to use it with other color gamuts. And there, there's been some discussion in that in the industry too, whether it might not be wiser to just uh, say, you know, Hey, let's just use a, P3 color gamut. Split the difference, yeah, exactly. right? Right. Go do something. Something's bigger, but yes. uh, not but, as but big. Obtainable, you know? So maybe we can do P3 color gamut, and but we'll do you know D65 white instead, and we'll use a uh, you know whatever a PQ 
EOTF or um, there, there's lots of, or HLG for that matter. Um, but, but yeah, so there's been some discussion about that. So there, that stuff is very open-ended at this point. And that's part of the challenge, you know, from the display manufacturer side of things, at least, is figuring out what you want to make and what's actually going to be useful um, to, to your clients. And so it's something we're watching very closely, but it's also, you know, typical Landers fashion. It's like, we don't want to rush into it at this right. point. So, all right. So let me get to your wheelhouse, obviously, yeah. with the monitors and, and, and producing the high quality displays that you guys do. Um, now, I guess in general, I've seen uh, HDR, just, uh, you know, kind of demonstrations. I've seen them on both OLED, and actually, that's what I'm, I'm borrowing this yeah. week. I'm borrowing a Sony OLED. I'm sorry, I'm borrowing your competitors. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but just to kind of see how it is, and I've seen HDR displays on LCD and you know, um, backlit uh, LCDs and stuff. It seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that on the surface of it, OLED has. Um, a better fighting chance at producing that dynamic high dynamic range simply because of the black level. But I'm also correct in saying that it's challenged because it doesn't get as bright as LCD. Is that, is that more or less yeah, accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's part of the challenge is that, you know, if we, uh, for example, we'll assume that um, an HDR master was created on a 4,000 nit uh, capable LCD, um, there's no OLED in the world now that's going to show that to you in the same way that it was seen on that master monitor at 4,000 nit. Um, so that that becomes a challenge. Now, the, the thing is, though, you still are going to have better black levels than even those hyper-expensive LCDs are capable of that rely on, you know, zone backlighting. Um, and that's really how you, you get to... Uh, be able to do HDR on on typical LCDs is that you have to use some sort of zone backlighting system um, so that you're not trying to illuminate the entire screen at you know a thousand or two thousand or four thousand nits. So um, yeah, it, and so my personal preference is is the OLED approach, even if it means we get a little bit less in terms of peak luminance, simply because you still preserve those excellent black levels. Um, and you also get away from some of the artifacting that can occur when you try to do HDR with LCDs, um, namely that because you have this zone backlighting system, you can get halos around things. Yeah, that get, blooming that happens. Blooming, yeah, I've seen get, that a lot. You get you know yeah. pulsating in the TV depending on on what what's happening. So in the in the actual scene, so it, it, it's a little, little bit of a challenge, um, you know. But then, then again, you can do much brighter uh, highlights with with those LCDs. So. I think that we'll see a mix of both. Um, certainly, there aren't a lot of OLED TVs on the market right, right now, so it, I think that for I've, I've 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 purchased every single one to try <laughs> them out, as, as you know. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but they um, but but anyway, that so HDR is going to have to be something that we see on both types of technologies. Um, in in you know, in my early kind of evaluations of it, I think it personally looks better on an OLED at uh, you know, 500 nits even than it does on an LCD at, at 2,000 nits. I think that uh, the OLED is still more pleasing. But that's not to say that HDR can't be done on an LCD. It's just uh, it's a little bit different of a look. All right, and then my last question, because I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Um, where do we stand with Flanders, Flanders Scientific and HDR and all that kind of stuff? Are you guys in the research phase? Are you, uh, you know, going to come out with a nice new Christmas present for me? What's the, uh, <laughs> where, where, do, where do you guys stand? Is this something that you're actively looking at, um, yeah. you know, maybe producing in the future? Where do you stand with that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely actively looking at it. We're doing all of research and, and just initial testing. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, we have a, 
we have a, a very keen interest in it, but we also don't like to, to rush to market with things, as you know. So uh, it's something we're learning more about. And obviously, you know, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk to people about HDR, but I've heard on it and I'm still learning a lot myself. And so is the rest of, of course, our company. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see these things kind of evolve um, and, um, and to hear the discussions take place about, um, you know, the pros and cons of different approaches and some of the limitations that people are running into in their early experiments with this. So, um, yeah, we're definitely keeping a close eye on it. Um, the math part of it is not that hard. Um, you know, we, we obviously partner with some um, great companies in terms of solutions, and uh, these companies are actively working on these things. Um, and so that helps uh, helps us with our implementations on our displays. And um, so, yeah, I think you'll see some stuff from us, um, probably not by Christmas, but <laughs> I'm sure you'll, I'm sure Damn. you'll eventually <laughs> see some things from us on this, um, and we'll, we'll just kind of see where it takes us here. Cool. Well, hey, Bram, thank you so much for kind of demystifying some of this and explaining it a little bit further, and I think I speak for the entire uh, team here at Mixing Light that... Uh, you know, your expertise in these matters is uh, is greatly appreciated in helping us uh, kind of guide all of us in these kind of tricky situations with HDR and kind of what the future holds. So uh, thanks a lot. And uh, for everybody listening, um, Brom obviously can be found at a trade show near you, obviously representing <laughs> Flanders Scientific. Um, you can always go to flandersscientific.com or shop, is it shopfsi.com uh, as yep. well as the, uh, is the store, is the storefront. If you're in the U.S. or, or outside of Europe, shopfsi. Dot com. If you're in Europe, uh, we have a European shop up as well. So shopfsi.eu, uh, where you can see all the pricing in euros. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Brom, and we'll see you next time. Sounds good.